1: Today, we're going to discuss the ubiquitous presidential debates that uh, seem to be on television uh, every week or so, and that will be uh, dominating our political landscape for the next uh, year and a half. Uh, We're going to talk about the history of these debates, uh, what they mean today, and where we might be going with these debates as part of our democracy, as part of our democratic process. Uh, We have with us uh, truly probably the best person in the country to talk to about this. Uh, Our colleague and friend, uh, Professor Paul Steckler. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Paul uh, is the perfect person to talk about this topic with because he not only has strong opinions about this, but uh, his research actually uniquely overlaps in both uh, the study of politics and politics surrounding presidential campaigns and the media coverage of them. And uh, Paul is not only a scholar of politics and a scholar of the media, he himself is a, is a producer of major uh, political documentaries on George Wallace and many other major figures in American history. Uh, so to bring the media and po- political sensibility together, we're, we're really well well set up today. Uh, before we turn to Paul, of course, we have uh, Zachary's scene-setting poem. Zachary, what's the title of your poem?
2: The War of the Botox.
1: <laughs> the War of the Botox. Okay, let's hear it.
2: I have scoured for political tidbits in the word onslaught of British BBC at midnight, and I have stayed awake on June night, seething over the votes being counted in ocean away. And I have picked my candidate two years before, predicted the next national conscience, and begged to be able to watch Parliament while I do my homework. And one night, dressed for bed, I even came down in a sleepy stupor, searched for the results of some Israeli election like I was sleepwalking into politics. And all my friends ever watched when I asked them hopeful every day. All they ever watched was the presidential debate. And I can't really blame them. I too know the alluring power of watching two people jab each other into dusk. I have also held some guilty satisfaction from a burning slash one way in grown men fighting on nationally televised spectacles. But I can also feel them dangerously in my mind, like a lit match dropping in slow motion on a pile of wood. Except the match is treating politics like a horse race, treating people's lives like poker chips to cash in for a lack of health care. And the pile of wood is some dust mite made up of the stars on the American flag what are they going to do when Saturday Night Live is just like reading the newspaper? When satire is useless because it's already a spoof? And I'm not sure who I like best between drunk uncle and solving race relations with record players as much as I love vinyl. And I guess it's just a stump speech if everyone threw their stumps at each other and everyone ended up unconscious on the floor, surrounded by a pile of old tree stumps, except it's primetime television and it's the war of the Botox and the makeup rush, and that's what politics is to too many people.
1: Wow, so you went the satirical route this week, huh? Yeah. What is your poem about? My poem
2: was really about how uh, how modern media, particularly when it comes to debates, uh, 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 displays both extremes and makes politics into somewhat of a sport. And uh, in many ways, it's something that I think uh, many people get excited about. And there's a certain element of, of of hype around it. But at the same time, we forget often what we're really dealing with, and that's people's lives and things that really affect uh, our country. Right,
1: like policy, for yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Paul, that seems like a great spot to turn to you. Uh, many would argue, I, I'm sure you would agree, that the sort of modern television sport of presidential debate be- debates begins in 1960, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. what, how, how have these debates evolved from 1960 to this day?
0: Well, I was trying to remember if there was anything after 1960. I mean, of course, the classic example is Nixon versus Kennedy. Right. Um, And, you know, political scientists would say the most interesting thing about that particular debate was that, according to what I've read, the people that actually listened to the debate thought that Nixon won. Right. And the people that saw the debate thought that Kennedy won. Right. Kennedy was a good-looking guy. He was very charismatic. Uh, Nixon's makeup wasn't working so well. He had a five o'clock shadow and he was perspiring. And so is this the first nail in the coffin of, uh, of American politics where you're giving individuals and television and, uh, you know, and, uh, the making of the American president, Teddy White's book in 1960. Yes. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is I don't remember there being debates in 1964, in 1968, in 1972, I think the next presidential debate was Carter versus Ford in 76. So it wasn't as if, I mean, there was no reason for uh, for LBJ to debate Goldwater. He right. was going to win that election anyway. The, right. I don't remember there being a Humphrey-Nixon debate because they would have had to include George Wallace. You know, and why would uh, <clears throat> Dick Nixon want to debate McGovern when he was about to right. swamp him in the election? Certainly the next set of debates we talk about are Ford Carter. Sure as you said yeah and the only thing that people remember about those debates is that Gerald Ford slipped up and said that Poland was free, <laughs> you know, which is an obviously obvious split uh, you know or, or a mistake and people said well, that hurt him in the debate. Uh, the only analysis I've heard and again, I don't know what the statistics actually are is that it slowed his momentum. And as you know, if the election had gone on another day or two, Ford may or may well have beaten Carter, right? Because it was such a, a close election, especially in Ohio. Right. So, you know, those—that's that's the debates. The, you know the the big debate moment uh, that I remember is 1980. Huh. And that election, you know, essentially was Carter's to lose. In a certain point, there had been a tipping point where people had stopped listening to him. Be it the malaise speech with a sweater, you know, the uh, the taking of the hostages. Right. You know, but people kept saying, well, Reagan's too conservative. Reagan, you can't trust him. You know, he's just too far out there. And then the entire country is watching him debate Jimmy Carter. And he didn't seem all that, that un, 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 you know, unpresidential at all. Right. And Carter finishes off with talking about a conversation he had with his daughter Amy about nuclear war. And I think that was the final nail in the coffin. And, I, and as I recall, uh, Carter was ahead in the polls a little bit. And just the bottom dropped out those right. last few days, and it was a Reagan landslide. And he took all kinds of icons of the Democratic Senate with him. So, you know, that was an important debate, obviously. Right. You know, and then we go to 1984, and you begin to have this pattern of incumbent presidents who do badly in the first debates. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Reagan versus Mondale. He looked old. He, he looked old. Him, yeah. He looked like he was forgetting, and he comes back in the second debate. He makes the You know, jokes about it. Uh, In 1988, uh, what do we remember about the Bush-Dukakis debates? It's The very first question asking Michael Dukakis what would happen if his wife was raped and murdered. Uh, And the, the real response would have been, how dare you ask me a question like that? It's Mike Dukakis. And so... And he tried to answer the question badly and, you know,
1: didn't the, show very much emotion. He seemed not to care very much. Actually, uh, was it, just,
0: it was, you know, it was Mike Dukakis, you know, and maybe, you know, debates bring out, you know, who you are or whatever. It's, you know, uh, in 1992, you know, very important having uh, Perot there mm-hmm. and remember that George Bush, the elder, looks at his watch during the debate. And I believe he couldn't answer how much a loaf of bread was or a, a quart of milk. You know, and it's 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 Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is fabulous, especially in a town hall meeting. Uh, were there debates in 1996? I can't remember. They were. Know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, yeah, Bob, you know, Dole
1: and, Bob Dole and Bill Clinton.
0: Yeah. But I mean, by that point, you know, the election wasn't going to be that close. 2000, you've got Al Gore. In the middle of George W. speaking, approaching him and like you know getting into his space, and, <laughs> and George W. looking at him going "What?" and that's also the famous lockbox, whatever the hell that meant. Yeah, right.
1: You know, we're with put some Gork. security in a lockbox and no one was going to take it.
0: Yeah, two thousand and four, uh, the same thing. Uh, uh, George W. Bush doesn't do very well in the debate, uh, the first debate with Kerry, and they go as he lost his stuff, and then he comes back, and Kerry is Kerry. Uh, two thousand and eight. Um, you know, again, there was not a fair fight at that point. Obama, you know, was much more popular. You know, you, you could have beaten John McCain, you know, after the recession and the reaction against uh, the Bush administration. 2012, the same thing. Obama sleepwalks through the first right. debate on Romney as he lost his stuff and he makes a comeback. And then we have the craziness of the 2016 election. And it's kind of like this is a program about democracy. we got too much democracy. Mm. It's kind of like we've morphed these uh, these primary uh, debates where they've gotten more and more people to the point where, in the Republican primary, you have an entire, you know, two two nights of these guys, right? And for reasons that we can talk about, Donald Trump totally uh, dominates, mm-hmm. you know, because he is not really talking about issues. He's bigger than all these guys. He's in the middle. They're all trying to tear him down. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget. I was sitting watching debates with some political friends of mine, and all of a sudden, in this case of like ten seconds, he calls a. Uh, Uh, Senator Rubio, little Marco, and turns to Ted Cruz and calls him Lying Ted. I turn to a friend of mine, I go, I don't understand what's going on. Uh, And and now we have like 15,000 people running for the Democratic nomination. Okay, do we need primary? Do we need debates? Steckler says,
1: no, get rid of them, please. <laughs> <laughs> so how did we come to this point, though? Is it a natural evolution from the visuals of Kennedy-Nixon to the visuals of today? Uh, it, what was interesting in your, in, in your actually wonderfully succinct history of, of presidential debates that you just went through, Paul, uh, you talked not a word about policy.
0: Well, as you know, I, I guess from some of our conversations, Paul does not think policy is a very big deal. Okay, we elect candidates. We don't elect issues. right? You know, I mean, did people vote for Donald Trump because of his policies or because of his slogans? Mm-hmm. You know, build that wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. So I what mean, are the debates showing us about the candidates I think they, they show you what their characters are like and who's a really good candidate, who's actually compelling, who's uh, somebody that you like, uh, which I think is a problem for the Democrats because this is not exactly showing up the Democratic field in a very positive light. Mm-hmm. You know, I think— you know, as an example, you know, having these debates for large parts of this thing, Medicare for all versus, you know, reforming Obamacare. This is not the point. Right. The point for Democrats are Republicans want to get rid of Obamacare and have no substitute. Right. That's the issue. Right. OK, Medicare for all is never going to pass. Right. OK, reforming Obamacare. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. OK, it's a flawed issue and has nothing much to do with with medical They should just be talking
1: about health care, about providing health care to citizens.
0: I guess, you know, but it's kind of like, you know, what do you do when you have 7,000 people on a stage? This Mm -hmm. is a really good way to make everybody look small. Sure, You know, I don't understand why the Democrats have done this unless, you know, democracy, it's just, it's too much democracy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, it worked for the Republicans because you had this, and I know this is going to sound strange for some of your, your folks, but you had this giant you know, reality star in the middle of a bunch of guys that sounded like politicians, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why he did so well. He, you know, sounded like he was unhinged in a crazy way, but he was very entertaining in a strange reality TV, TV role. Life. And he right. was completely different than everybody else. And this thing is kind of like we're wondering, is Joe Biden going to make it to the debate? Right, right. You know, is Elizabeth Warren going to sound like somebody besides a school mm. Is Bernie's head going to explode? And Beto O'Rourke—is he really going to come for your guns?
1: <laughs> so, so, Paul—is—is is that really what these debates are? Are they just reality TV? I
0: don't know. I don't really understand what they're for anymore. I really think they are so—they're <laughs> so not useful for for the, the the party in opposition right now. And you know, and people can disagree with me. They want more democracy. No, it's kind of like. You know, we can have, you know, representative democracy and everybody gets a say. It's kind of like Rousseau, you know, times 250 million right. people. Right. Great. You know, it's, you know, for me, the way we used to do this is the people went out and they campaigned, you know, and, you know, Jimmy Carter campaigned a lot over in Iowa and he caught on and he won. I don't think that uh, Barack Obama did well in Iowa because of the debates right. with him and John Edwards and Hillary Clinton. He caught on because he was a really good candidate. You know, and so being a good candidate is not the same thing as winning a debate with twenty people. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not the same thing mm-hmm. where everybody mm-hmm. gets like a couple of moments, and you're right. trying to figure out canned lines, right. which almost always sound bad because they're canned lines that you memorize. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like I don't. It's I. For the life of me, this this is this is a heck of a way to nominate somebody. Hmm. Hmm.
1: What about the argument that the debates allow us to uh, to assess character, to to see individuals? I mean, they, you could say on the one hand, it's unfair that Nixon sure. won the debate on substance. But actually, you could argue that people were assessing who was more presidential and Kennedy was more inspiring. Kennedy was more presidential. And that is the role of a candidate. But right. You could say the same with Reagan, right? But
0: what's the difference? There's two people on there. OK, I've got a choice. Right. You know, I don't have people, you know, talking for one minute here and three minutes there or something like that, okay, I actually have the ability to be able to make an assessment. Now, I think it's still a flawed assessment. You know, being on TV and staring at a camera, you know, and talking about your talking points, Right. (laughs) you know, is a hell of a way to be able to make a statement as to who you actually are, Right. You know, and quite frankly, you know, I thought that Donald Trump was terrible in the debates versus Hillary Clinton. Remember, he said he wasn't sure if he was going to abide by the the election. Right. He was kind of stalking her. You know, it didn't make any difference. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's. I'm not sure the debates make much of much sense anyway. That was the a,
1: next thing I was going to ask you. Do they actually change outcomes?
0: I You know, I don't I don't know anymore. It's kind of like, you know, have we gotten to the point where we're so tribal, we're so partisan that we see what we want to see? You know, and is this a way to be able for the Democrats to pr- you know, produce their strongest candidate? I think that a lot of Republicans would have said this was a hell of a way to choose a candidate. And then all of a sudden they got this guy, which you know, I think a lot of people were still going, how did this guy become president? Right. OK, but it's a different America. It's a different way of. Uh, people relating to politics, and is it a really better way? You tell me. Mm. So,
1: Paul, how how has the the media coverage of this changed? We've talked about how you know how how, in a sense, the debates have devolved, <laughs> right? In the in the debate itself, how has the media coverage changed?
0: You know, I don't know. It's kind of like you know, part of the problem right now is that. You have more candidates than ever. You have more media than ever, and the more you have, the less you have.
1: Right. So Nixon and Kennedy, it's really the three networks that are covering it and offering commentary on well, it. Well, two right? and a half back two. then, That's because
0: right. ABC was barely a, you know, barely a network. Now you've got, you know, cable. You've got, you know, you have all sorts of things, and people are, are listening to what they want to listen to. You know, so I'm not quite sure how you actually speak to the entire country anymore. This is part of our problem, right? You know, because how do you solve any problems at all? You know, it's kind of like, you know, people are complaining about, you know, they hear the latest, you know, thing about President Trump and they go, I can't believe it, you know, but is anybody listening? You know, the people that can't believe it don't like him. The people that don't care, don't care. And, you know, his poll numbers are remarkably the same. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw Matthew Dowd the other day say that anybody below 45 percent can't win on election day. Well, maybe, but you still got to lose to somebody. Who's that somebody? Right,
1: right. Zachary. Don't know, Zachary.
2: Well, uh, if 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 debates and uh, the, especially primary debates pose such a challenge to uh, the party establishment, and in many ways, many people agree that debates are something that don't really display policy in the way that it should, then why do we still have them?
0: I. Why do we have debates? People think we should. You know, what's the party establishment? Tom Perez. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Uh, I don't know that we have an establishment anymore. We don't even. You know or is port- it that
1: the media wants to wants to show these debates? Well, I mean, <clears> you know, well, you know, you've got
0: places on TV, and people want to have their spot. You know, and there are more eyeballs. You know, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe this is just great. It's great for democracy. More people are involved. They're all going to come
1: out and vote. Well, and you get millions of people watching. Yeah. So, so that one could argue, right, that the people actually are masochists. Gets, <laughs> well, yes, and that it actually gets them engaged. Yeah. Maybe not engaged in, in the most productive ways, but it does get them to pay attention.
0: You know, I, I wonder how many of those people watch the entire way through. Right. You know, I, I really do. It's kind of like I watched all or I listened to all three hours. Mm-hmm. And I was filming over in Houston uh, before the debates. And I, God help me, watched all six hours of debate beforehand. It's kind of like, and did I learn anything? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of like, you know, desperate candidates do desperate things. <laughs> you know, Joe is still alive. <laughs> you know, why is Bernie so unhappy? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's. It's
1: a soap opera. It's reality it's, TV and a soap opera. It's
0: not a great soap opera. Yeah. So it's, you know, um, I'll be curious, you know, which one of these people can schlep their way to the, the top. Right. And then what are they going to do with Donald Trump? Right.
1: So... so so how would you change things? You, you, you bring this perspective as a, as a historian, scholar, uh, as, a, as a documentary maker, as, a, as someone who pays close attention to the media. What would be the way to change this to make the debates more effective in helping us choose good candidates?
0: No one's going to listen to me. I'd get rid of them. These debates are stupid. We shouldn't have them at all. No, no. I think what you should let is let people campaign. Okay, and let them go out there and talk to people and campaign and get on forums. And that's more
1: democratic in your eyes, right? Well,
0: I don't care if it's democratic. I think it's more, you know, makes more sense. These debates to me are doing nothing. You know, there are a lot of really good candidates that can't get on the debate right. stage, you know, and, you know, maybe they would do better, again, this is my own prejudice, if they were actually just out there campaigning, right? you know, and let people, let the democratic process winnow this stuff So that by the time you get to Iowa, back in the old days, a lot of those people would drop out anyway, because they didn't have a whole lot of support, and they go to Iowa and they get one percent of the vote, and they'd be gone. Right. Okay. Then you can have a debate. You know, then you can have a debate with the people that are actually the last people standing, who actually you know are serious candidates. So you want to. Why do I have to listen to Andrew Yang? I'm some serious, really. Well he I mean he, he he has some interesting things to say, Paul. you have interesting things to say too. Well that's why you should listen to me too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean why you know, why why? I'm serious, you know. Marianne Williamson, why am I listening to her on a debate stage? Right. I mean, I'm serious. This is kinda of like this is wasting my time. Right.
1: And you and it's actually distracting perhaps from yeah. the candidates we should be focusing yeah. on. So so you're actually for a debate with fewer people. You're not really against debates. You're but against I'm debate. with a
0: debate with fewer people later on in the process. Gotcha. Okay, I I don't need to have these people debating a year Plus before the first primary, I just I don't I don't understand it, you know. And there are people that you know, and people think this is a really good idea. Great, okay. Well, it's mm-hmm. you know yeah, maybe I'm seemed... just an old style guy.
1: No, no. It seems actually as 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 I listen to you that. We do this less for the democratic process, but more for the entertainment value of it. Right, that there seems to be some something entertaining about seeing ten people on there, and 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 the mm-hmm. creation, the necessary creation of conflict. The way that the way that, sure. um, that the way that an individual out of ten gets attention is by being nasty towards someone else. Right.
0: I guess so. You know, it's, it's uh, one person's entertainment is another person's torture. So, <laughs>
1: do you as do, do you um, do you find the debates interesting and worthwhile?
2: Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting about the debates is, in many ways, it gives people the wrong impression of politics. And I definitely agree with all the criticisms that, that you mentioned about the debates. But I do think that, in many ways, debates do help uh, bring people into the process. Because I think like a lot of kids my age and young people in general would not be as involved in politics and it allows an easy access point because if you don't know, if you don't have time to research the candidates, it's not something passionate to you. Just getting to see them all together is something that in many ways is just practical. It's convenient.
0: But see, I would totally disagree with that. It's kind of like, you know, the debates didn't help or O'Rourke in Texas. You know, he helped himself as a, as a campaigner. That's why we have campaigns. And when he got to the debates, he did terrible. You know, right. the, you know. It's, I think that's
1: right. I think you know. That's it's right. kind of like
0: there. You know, if you're a good candidate, there's a way to reach out there. You know, with an adept, you know, use of social media, with actually putting on the shoe leather. You know, one of the reasons that Hillary Clinton lost was that she went to half as many rallies as Donald Trump. She didn't even go to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. This is not a debate, it's
1: a campaign. Right. Go right. out there and campaign. And your your analysis, Paul, from uh, as a scholar and as someone who's been involved in politics is actually the campaigning is a better indication of who should be in office.
0: I think it makes you a better candidate. You know, when 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 I used to when I used to do politics not very well, but You know, my definition of a good candidate running for state rep or city council was the person that really wanted to go out there and go door to door when it was really hot outside. Show me something. And you know something? You learn from those interactions. You become better explaining yourself. You become better introducing yourself. You become better talking about the issues where you're really just talking about yourself and you're selling yourself. You know, very few of us are experienced Political people, you know, a lot of people learn how to
1: do this, and they're not going to learn how to do this from being on a de- debate on television. Right, right. Well, I think that's a really good point for us to, to close on. I mean, one of the most important elements of a democracy is how we choose our leaders. And the process of campaigning has, has been bread and butter to what democracy has been from its foundations. Mm -hmm. And in a certain way, I think, Paul, what you're saying very powerfully is that debates are distracting us and taking our energy away from what actually matters most and that there's a potential uh, if we can get back to the to campaigning, to looking at how candidates reach out to citizens rather than the lines they use on a stage, mm-hmm. then we could actually choose better candidates. There's, there's a possible optimistic story there, even for someone as cynical as you. Right? I
0: like it. So join me. Stop watching. Don't <laughs> encourage them.
1: <laughs> Do you agree with that, Zachary?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> okay. So today we have come to the conclusion that it is time to spend less time on debates, and more time on campaigns. Thank you for joining us for this week of This Is Democracy. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at
2: harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.